Okay, we're starting a new sermon series because we're starting a new year, and uh, we want some new things. How many of you need something different to happen in 2016 than happened at all in your life in 2015? Anybody need something different to happen? Yeah, okay. I think pretty much all of us could say that at some point. I just wanted you to acknowledge it. Some of you weren't paying attention, didn't get your hand up or whatever, but uh, we're, we're working on, someone told me just before service that, uh, you know, they, they tell you to keep it cold, that keeps people from going to sleep, so we, we were keeping it cold by accident this morning. Actually, just uh, the uh, building's having a tough time with the system because of the cold and the heat changing out there, but it's cold, but they've got the heat on finally, okay, so uh, we'll warm up probably before we leave, all right? But you, you need to acknowledge, I mean, just acknowledge, there's some things that you want to change about your life. There's some things you want to, to be different in 2016. So we're, the, the first sermon series of this year is just next. And this morning, we're going to talk, talk about the next chapter. And that was the first chapter of a book. What about the next chapter? What do you think happened after that? What do you think happened next? Well, the, Really, to, today's title is All In, as, uh, as David just kept saying over and over there. It's all in, because that's what it's going to take. To write the most awesome chapter of your life in 2016, it's going to take being all in. It's going to take more than uh, we did in 2015. You know, that, it, it's like that definition of insanity, right? Have you heard it? Or, you know, it's, it, it's insane for us to, to keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expect a different result. If we want something different in 2016, then we got to do something different in 2016. We can't keep doing what we've been doing and expect something. That, that, that's just insanity to expect that something else different is going to happen if we keep doing what we've done before. And this is the first step, is you have to be all in. I'm going to preach some things to you today. I'm going to tell you some things today. Some of these are very practical things I'm going to share with you. And... I, I'm, not, I'm not really going to tell you things that are going to make you ready to go to heaven. I hope that most of you are there. If you're not, at some point in the service, I hope you just say, God, I, I need you to help me. I need you to help me in this year, 2016, and that you'll accept him as your Savior too. But starting at that point, I, I, I hope, and if you're not, I hope this will give you just a little bit of appetite for that, but hoping that we're all starting at that point, then then we can start looking at, because I, I'm not just going to share things with you to just get you ready for heaven. I want to share some things with you to get you ready for 2016, so that 2016 can be the year that you need it to be. It can be the next chapter that you have dreamed of for years and years and years, some of you in your life. 2016 can be. So let's talk about that next chapter. And the chapter comes out of a book, right? Your life is like a book. You know, one of these days, there's going to be a preacher, no doubt, stand over your body in a coffin, and he's going to kind of read from your book, you know? He's going to tell people about you and about your book. He's going to read different things of, of your life. I've had to do it, and many times I've had to do it not even knowing the person that has passed away. And so I would have to ask family members, tell me some things, share some things with me that, that everybody knows or that I, I need to know about this person. It's... Uh, I was also always given an obituary that, that told me some things about that person's life. Your life is a book. Now, what can you do with a book? <clears throat> I, asked, I asked a couple of people last night that question because I was kind of thinking, what can you do with a book? You know, and, uh, and one of them said, you can use it as a door prop. Has anybody ever used a book as a door prop? You know, you just lay it there in front of it. Or, or you can 
level a table. You ever, you ever used it because a table was out of level and you stuck it under one, one leg so that it sturdied it up? I used one just this past week for a projector. We, we were doing a project and uh, they needed a projector and we had to use a book. So we used a book to level the projector. Come on, some of you that's been around a while, you know what that's like. It was those old, remember those overhead projectors where you just put down the transparency? You know, and sometimes you'd have to stick something under it because, you know, it would gotten bent or whatever and, and you use a book for that. We, we can use old books for decoration we can use old books for lots of things. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of things, a lot of people take old books, books that they didn't really think were worth anything and kind of kind of build them into some, uh, some intricate design there in their living room or their, or their den or whatever. We can use books for a lot of reasons, but the purpose of a book is normally what? To read, right? We, we, that's the reason that we have books is so we can read them and we can get the story. We can un- get understanding of something, whatever the subject is of the book. Now, if your life is a book, then you are the subject of the book. And so to read your life book is to gain understanding of you, of who you are. And that's the normal purpose of a book is for it to be read. But there's a, there's a better thing to do with a book. There is a more lofty goal to have with a book than to read a book. And the loftiest of goals, I mean, I, I think everyone would agree with this. The greatest goal, when you look at a book and you think about a book, the greatest goal you can have, uh, the greatest dream you can have about a book is what, anybody? To write a book. To not just read it, to not just experience it and hear somebody else tell the story, but to write it yourself. You know, you, you can, in 2016, you can read the book or you can write the book. God will help you write the next chapter of your life. You don't, come on somebody, is anyone tired of everybody else writing the book that is your life? Anybody else, anybody else tired of other people deciding what's going to happen in your life? I mean, the government, you know, they're all in the middle of our stuff, right? Our money, our everything, right? But not just them, your boss at work, you know, you know your boss. And, and, and a lot of you, you're like, but how do I get out from under that? How is it that I can write this? With God's help, along with him, you can write the next chapter of your life. But here's, here's going to have, if you want things to be different, here's what the title is going to have to be, okay? But get this, you, you can write the next chapter, but the title has to be all in. Because you don't get to write it if you're going to sit back and you're only going to be halfway in. Because when you do that, everybody around you is going to step into your life and they're going to start writing things about you. You know, that, that's what's happening, isn't it? Is people step in, when, when you take a, a, a week off, and I, I don't mean taking a week off from work, but I'm saying when you take a week off from really living your life and making decisions and sticking with the plan that you laid out, and this is what I'm going to accomplish, and these are the things I'm going to do, when you take a step back, other people step in and they start writing your life, people like your boss. And I know you say, well, I'm not the boss. How, how can I change that? Here's how you can change that, is you are not the boss but you are the child of the boss. He is the boss of all bosses, and he is in charge of all of those things. That's that's your father in heaven. And so you can't by yourself, but with his help, you can write an amazing 2016. Let me take you to the book of Ezra. Let me show you a little story here. We're going to read a little bit of the book, okay? This is the Bible book. And this is is the one... uh, 
the book, the part that was written by Ezra, who was the high priest, in, in chapter two, the first nine verses, it says, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Now, uh, I'm sorry, I, I said Ezra, this is the book of Haggai. Um, and, and the word of the Lord comes to him as in a prophecy. He, he hears from God. I've never had that happen like where there was an audible thing like that exactly, but I've had God speak to me and just impress upon me and tell me certain things. This is what happened with Haggai. Some of you, you, you know what I'm talking about there. Some of you know this. And others of you have felt this, you felt this impression from God that God wants to do something different or something amazing in your life. And this is what he's doing with Haggai. And the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai and says, speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jozadek, and the high priest, there won't be a test on this later, so you don't need to remember these, okay? And to the remnant of the people, and ask them this question, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Now, here's where they are. They're back at Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been overrun by, by the Babylonian armies uh, years ago, uh, actually decades ago, uh, a, genera a generation, a, a couple of generations ago, it, that Jerusalem has been overrun. And, and the, the awesome, beautiful, wonderful temple of God that Solomon built when he was king has been destroyed. And they are standing there, and they are looking at the destruction of this temple. And God is, is beginning to lead them to rebuild the temple. And they're looking, and he knows what they're thinking. He knows that some of them saw the temple before it was destroyed. And so he's digging into that with them. He's, he's, he's challenging them to think back because some of them are thinking back as they're looking at the destruction that is there. And they're saying, it can never be what it ever was. Listen to me. Some of you are thinking that about your own life right now. You're thinking it's already over. Some of you are very young, but you've made some mistakes, you've done some things, you've, you've made some decisions, and you're already thinking, I've made some decisions, and it'll never be what it could be. You know, it is true. When, when, when my kids were growing up, I used to tell them that, you know, every time you make a decision, you know, young in life, every time you make a decision, you start closing doors. It's like when, you know, you enter in junior high school, middle school, you know, you've got er every door ahead of you, anything you want to do in life. But as you begin to make choices and you take certain classes and you either study and get the grade or you don't study and you just get by or whatever, doors start closing. You know, you, you, know, you start making D's and F's and, you know, the doors to being a, you know, uh, being a, a rocket scientist or a, you know, a brain surgeon, they start closing, right? You understand what I'm saying? And so yeah, those, those kinds of things happen. And they were looking at this and thinking that, and some of you are looking at your life and thinking that we, we look at the, the rubble, we look at the mistakes, we look at the errors that we've made. And, and we many times think it's over and God knew that is exactly what they're thinking. Okay. Why are we here at this verse? It's like, God knows that's what some of you are thinking that it's over. Uh, my marriage can't be saved. My, my education, I've made a mess of it. I, I, I can't fix this thing. My scholarship is all fouled up. My future, my career, my, my friendships, my relationships, my finances, it, it's just all so messed up. There's, there's no way I could ever fix it. And so this is where God has us now today. Just like he had them. He said, you're looking at this and he's digging at them because he wants to show them that he looks at things differently than we do. Because when they looked at Solomon's temple, they saw something that was awesome to them but God wanted to show them what he sees as worthy of his glory. All right, hang on to that thought for just a moment. So he says, well, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? He digs at him. How does it look to you now? It looks like rubble, rubbish. 
Does it not seem to you like nothing? Yeah, God, that's exactly what it seems like. He says, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. Oh, why do you throw that in there, that four-letter word, right? And work, because nothing worth having isn't worth working for. I mean, if you're going to have something that is worth something, it's going to take work. Otherwise, everybody could have everything. You just sit there and God drops in your lap. No, you've got to do something with it. If you've not been working on your spiritual life, if you've not been working on the things of your life, that's one of the reasons that 2015 wasn't what it needs to be. And work, be strong and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. I am with you, I'm there. Psalm 29 and 11 says, one of our scriptures, he is bringing us blessings of peace and strength every day. You're not in this by yourself. He is wanting to do great things. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. What awesome promises and reminders there. I've covenanted covenanted with you uh, when you came out of Egypt. My spirit is still there, and you don't need to fear. Verse 6. On the next slide, it says, uh, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with, house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Now, there's a, there's a lot of conjecture, and even a, a, a lot of people want to say, this is what this means, and this is, what this, this is prophecy here, okay? And, and, uh, and I know, I know it's kind of, uh, you know, I've listened to people, and people like to argue prophecy. People like to argue those things. But you know what? You know what I've found when people argue that stuff? It's like most of the time they've got one little thing that they want this to mean. But you know what I have found? I have found that every time I read the Word of God, it's like He opens something new to me I've never seen. And every time that I start trying to make God's Word this big, you know, I am just cheating myself out of something amazing that God wants to do in my life. So you know what I do? As I look at that and say, yeah, I see what you're saying about it. I see what you're saying about it. You know what? I see all that and I see that there's even more than you and I can see together in this thing. You know, but you know what I see? As I see God say, in just a little while, I'm gonna shake the earth. I'm gonna shake the earth so much, even the oceans are gonna shake, everything around. And, and in the next few hundred years, you know what God does? God topples one empire to bring another empire in. Okay, I don't have time to give you a history lesson here, but God does exactly that. And some of you are so worried about all the stuff going on in the world. Let me tell you, keep worrying and keep praying. But remember that, that yeah, we, we are not the president and we are not the, the leader of, of the UN or any foreign country. But we, again, we are children of the God who is the God over the president and God over the leaders and the God over all the, all the presidents of all the countries in this world. That's who our Father is. And so we, we do need to pray, but we need to never fear because he is with us. And he, say, and, and, and he says the desire of all nations will come. Now, some people say, well, that's talking about the desires or the treasures of all nations. But I've, I've always heard it, and I know that's, it's an old King James version that says this that is talking about Jesus. And that's where we get one of the names that we like to use for him, the desire of all nations. That he is the desire of all nations. You know, here's the thing is, just a a few hundred, about 400 years after this, is when Jesus is born. And he does come. And he does come to this, it's this temple that they are about to build that 400 years later, Jesus actually attends to and approaches and he comes near and he he ministers at and, and, and he worships at. It is this temple that, that when he is 12 years old, his parents bring him to. 
And so when this is happening, oh yeah, now I see God is talking about all these things, but even more, even more. He says, these are the things that are going to happen, God is, God is saying. And, and he says, in case you're wondering about having enough money to, take, to handle this, God says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. Can I remind you again, okay? I've already, I've already said, yeah, you're not the boss. Yeah, you're not the president. And I know you don't have enough money to probably do all that you're dreaming about in 2016, but you're a child of the God who owns it all. The silver is his and the gold is his. And if he can topple the Greek empire and put the Roman empire into, into power, if he can do that, then he can take every dime, every dollar, every euro, every yen in the entire world and he can put it wherever he wants to to do whatever it is that he desires to do. That's who your God is. You need to quit worrying about how I'm going to afford it. You need to quit worrying about how I'm going to make it happen. And what you need to do is say, I'm going to be all in with God's plan because God is the only one that can do what I am dreaming of in 2016. And and, and dream big things. The glory of this present house. Now, here's, here's the amazing part of all that, but here's the amazing part. The glory of this present house, the one you're about to build, will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And you know, that was a promise made over, you know, getting close to 2,500 years ago to a particular people at a particular time. But what it also tells us, here's another thing about prophecy. And then people say, well, no, that was just for that. But you look at this. When you read prophecies, you read a promise to somebody else from another time of 2,500 years ago. And you know what you learn? You might say, well, that was just for other people. But you know what you learn? You learn character of God. And God says, this is a place that you thought that was the one with glory. God says, I'm going to bring even more glory into this place. And in this place, I will also bring my peace. And he is no respecter of persons. The word of God also tells us. And if he will bring peace to them, you know what that means? He's also a God that is able in the middle of upheaval, in the middle of empires being toppling, in the, in the middle of, of presidents fighting and, and, and armies going to war, in the middle of all that, God is able to bring peace into that house. He's able to bring peace into my house too. And some of you need to take a hold of that. 2016 is going to be a year of peace in my house because you hadn't had peace in a long time. And just, and just take that. This is mine. 2016 is going to be the year of peace. But right before that, he talks about the glory. And why does God say that the glory of this house you are about to build is going to be greater than the glory of that former house? Why does God say this? Why does God say this? Let's, let, let's compare the two houses for just a moment. The temple, the temple, the house, the temple that, that Solomon built and the temple that laid in ruin that they were just about to build. The first one, Solomon the king, he built it. He hired everybody. Yeah, he, he, took, he took from the people taxes and, and he took money and he took gifts from them, but he was in charge. He hired everybody, he, you know, he had all the plans from God. You know, God was speaking and saying, this is the way I want you to do it, but, but he hired everybody and he did it. And you know what the people of Israel did at this temple? And let me tell you something, that when they got together, when they got this temple finished, and, and the priests came and they prayed and they were dedicating the temple and they were sacrificing to God, the word of God says that the glory of God was so strong on that temple 
In, in that moment, the glory of God became so strong that the priest just kind of had to back up and say, we can't, we can't minister right now because the glory of God is so powerful and so strong that it was actually a visible cloud of his glory, a visible cloud of his presence that was there. Now, that's pretty awesome. I ain't never seen that. Now, I've heard some people say, they've seen, but I've never seen anything like that. That's pretty awesome. But you know what God says? This house is going to be even more gloriful than that one, glorious than that one. I'm going to put more glory in this house than I put in that house. And, and even though it was so strong and so powerful, the priest couldn't even minister. God says, I'm going to do even more. But here's the difference. In that first house, the one where the glory fell in such a way that the priest couldn't even minister, you know what the people did about, okay, yeah, they had to give some taxes, but you know what they did? Is all they ever did is they showed up for the glory. Okay, listen to me right here. Catch this. Because here's a present day parallel for us. All the people did was show up for the glory. They just showed up at the temple for the glory. And all across this country today, people are showing up in houses of God, houses of worship, just to show up for the glory. That's all they're doing. They've got no investment. They've got no involvement because you know what's happening? Somebody else has been practicing and setting up all morning long. Somebody else has prayed the prayers and all I got to do is show up for the glory. Okay, here, listen again. I'm not telling you that you need to do more than that if you want to get to heaven. I'm telling you, you're going to need to do more than that if you want to write 2016 as the next chapter in your life as being an awesome chapter. Is this going to take more than that? Because here's what God is saying. In this first temple, the one that Solomon built, you guys just showed up and saw the glory, but you're going to build this temple. And because of your effort and because of your sacrifice and because you're involved in this thing, God says, I'm going to pour my glory out in it. Because, because my son is coming, I'm calling you to do it, not a king to do it. I'm calling, my son is coming to this temple after he is born. And I'm calling you to build this. And because you're going to build this, my son is coming and the glory of this place is going to be even greater. Because you know, you know what is even more amazing than going, maybe going to some show that someone has put on and, and you say, man, that was really, really good. It's to be a part of the show. What is, more, what is more awesome than to, than to hear a testimony of someone who got healed is to be involved in praying the prayer for somebody that got healed. The most important, the most awesome thing is not to just hear about it, not to just read the story, but to be involved in writing the story and say, God, this person needs to be healed and write the story through your prayer life. That's the most awesome thing and this is what God is saying is gonna happen to them. Here's what God is saying. God is saying that he chooses that, this effort, this, this obedience. God chooses effort, the effort and obedience that we put together. That's what he chooses to send his glory in. And I know what a lot of us think. We think that he, get, he sends his glory into those people who are gifted, talented, beautiful, you know, it's, you know those people that have it all together that God sends. No, it's just... Those people have worked on having it all together. Those people, and, and, and listen, I, I guess throw this in too. You know, a lot of times, some people, I've had people say, I just don't know why God won't bless me to sing, you know, because I really, really want to sing, but you're not gifted to sing. You know, God doesn't bless, God doesn't bless us to do what He hasn't gifted us to do. 
God's not going to over, he has already given us our gifts. He's given us our passions and there's something much more. I mean, you know, every time I've ever heard somebody try to sing and they really couldn't sing and, and you know, they just try and try to say, you know, here's your problem is you're trying to do what God hadn't gifted you to do. You've got something. And I know you're, you're a little passionate about music, but there is something deeper inside of you that you are so passionate about that God wants you to do that is going to be a hundred times more powerful in your life than what you think is the thing, or hope is the thing that he's called you to do. And, and when you understand that and accept that and, and take that, and then you start putting the effort. It's, it's, it's not the beautiful people. It's not the talented people. It's those who will give the effort, who will pay the price, who will be obedient. Those are the, one, those are the places he sends his glory. If you see someone who is blessed around you, someone of a, a, a some family in church or someone maybe in your family that is blessed, it is not because they are just lucky. They were born with a spiritual silver spoon in their mouth. It is because of the effort and the obedience. Sometimes there's a lot of grace given to someone who isn't yet trying and God gives them grace. You see that? But the, the true power and glory of God comes to people because of their effort and their obedience. And, and, and you know, you, you've, you've heard, probably heard it said, I, I've said it, 95% of life is what? Anybody ever heard? Just showing up? Anybody ever heard that? 95% of life is just showing up. That's true. A lot of, like going to a funeral, 95% is not having the right thing to say. It's just being there for people. It's just showing up. 95% of life may be just showing up, but it's the other 5% that makes the difference. I'm not talking to you about getting to heaven. I'm not talking to you about having your sins washed away. I'm talking to you about having an awesome 2016. If you're going to have an awesome 2016, you're going, if you're going to have an amazing 2016, if you and God are going to write this next chapter, you got to be all in. It's going to take more than just showing up. Because those people that just showed up to Solomon's temple when the glory fell, you know, when they left the temple grounds, the glory didn't go home with them. But you know what you've been promised today? Is you've been promised his glory to walk with you every day that you, that you live. That means on Monday too, when the boss has had a bad weekend. That means on Tuesday when the sales, report have, sales reports have come in and they're not what they need to be. That means on Wednesday when, when, when you're taking a test that you had forgotten was coming up and, and you've really tried but you just forgot about this one and you weren't quite ready or whatever. That means in all of those times that the glory of God moves in and time, why? Not because you're, you're, you're pretty or not because you're talented, but because of your effort and your obedience and because you do more than just show up. Because if all you do is show up, then you get, you got what you get. It, it, it's, it, that, that other 5% of life, is, it, that's, that's the difference between good and great. The 95% that show up, or, uh, those that show up and do the 95%, they're doing good. But it's that other 5% that makes life great. It's, it's the difference in, in, in having your needs met and having an abundance and overflow. It's going that, to that other 5% to say, God, I'm not satisfied with just ticking off the to-do list that, yeah, I did this and yeah, I did this. I want to go to that place to see it all happen. You see, it's about being all in. Let, let me get very practical here for just a few moments if I can. Very practical because every week, this, 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 this is just... I, I just want to lay this out just very simply for you. 
every week of 2016. Now listen, again, I don't, I, I don't know how many times to say this this way for you to get this. I'm not talking about you being a Christian. I am talking about you writing that awesome chapter of your life in 2016. Being tired of everybody else writing your story. And ready for God to help you write that amazing story that you've been praying for and believing for. Let me get real practical with you because a lot of you are brand new Christians. And some of you have been Christians a long time. You've forgotten what just the basics are. So let's go back to the basics here for just a moment. Every week, you need to pray. I'll give you four areas to pray. Every week, pray. You need to pray over your family. That includes you. You're part of the family. Your marriage, all those things, you know, your kids, your parents, whatever. You need to pray over your friends. That means your coworkers as well. It just means everybody you know in life. That means it's the church and the unchurched. You need to pray over them. You need to pray over the state of this world. You know, your communities and all of that. You know, you, you, you need to pray over those. You need to pray over, there, you know, there are Christians in other countries that don't get to do what you're doing today right now and sit here. And, and, and there, there are Christians in other countries that have to meet in caves on Sunday morning to pray. Because, uh, especially in China, I mean, we, there's, we have video, you know, showing those that they, have to, they don't get to do that. There are people who are dying today because they're Christians in other countries. We need to pray over them, the state of this world, and we need to pray for our church. You need to pray for your church because it's the place you get fed. You need to pray for your pastor. If God, don't let pastor have a bad week. Let him study a lot this week because I really need a good sermon. Come on. It's very practical, isn't it? God, please let pastor have a really good week, God, and just tell him lots of good stuff that I need to hear because I got I to gotta have something this week. Pray over your church. Pray, you got, got kids back in the kids' church? And the nurse, God, pray over those people. God, please don't let those kids' workers quit and them to come ask me to start doing that every Sunday. Let those kids' workers stay anointed. Let them have a passion. Let them say things that just, just instill within my kids. You need to pray over your church. And... You need to read the Bible or listen to the Bible at least. If you need a Bible app, there's an awesome. I've got an awesome one for you. And, and, and you can sit which, whichever one you want to listen to. And you can, you can listen to whatever, whatever translation of the Bible uh, you, know, you best understand. And you can, just, you can sit it in your, in your seat beside you and just listen to it on your phone riding down the road and read. You need to read the Word of God. Now, it says every week, yeah, your goal should be every day, read the Word of God. But if you're not reading it at all, then every week. Start with it. Start with at least once a week. And then you need to attend worship. Now, I, I'm going to tell you this. Do, do I have to go to church to go to heaven? Well, no, I don't, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible that you have to. But the Word of God does tell us don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It says don't forsake that. Here's, here's the real issue. Let me, see if I, let me see if I can explain the importance of it to you this way. Because some people want to say, well, what's the most important one up there? Pastor, I'll try to do the most important one. You remember, that's the guy that I preached to you just a couple of weeks ago that came to Jesus. What's the most important one, Jesus? And Jesus said, well, start naming them to me. You know, what are you doing? You know, what's the most important? Let me tell you what the most important thing to do is. If you've been here a while, you've heard me say this before. The most important thing to do is whatever it's time to do right now. In the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible, it tells us that there is a time and a purpose for every, there's a time and a purpose for everything that is under heaven. There is a season for everything under heaven. So here's the thing. When the season comes, then do whatever it's season for. There is a season to plant. There is a season to reap. There is a season to prune. There is a season to break up the ground. And, then, and those seasons just keep repeating. 
There is a time in your life to pray. There's a time in your life to read. And there's a time in your life to attend worship with the body of Christ. And what happens when we miss a season? Think about it. What happens when a farmer misses a season? The seed doesn't get in the ground. And if the seed doesn't get in the ground, they miss a season. They miss a harvest. And when they miss a harvest, it's not just the farmer who's going to go broke. Everyone that depends on that farmer, like his family, the family misses a harvest because the farmer missed the season. And the people that the farmer sells his goods to, that, that, that live off of that, they, they feed their own families with that, they too miss a harvest and miss the blessing because the farmer missed a season. You see, when you miss seasons of the moments in your life, and not talking about months at a time, but talking about the moments, these little tiny seasons, when you miss the season of prayer, when you miss the time in your life that it's time to read the Bible, when you miss the time in your life that it's time to be here together, you miss the opportunity for harvest because you miss the opportunity to sow. Because sowing isn't just what we do to ourselves, other people sow into us as well. Let me, let me, let me throw three, three words at you right here just to explain these three words if I can. And, um, and the first one is consistency. Because see, all of those things up there, you gotta do them with consistency. You can't pray one time and say, I prayed God didn't answer. You no, know, it's consistency. Y'all, y'all, know, y'all know what six-pack abs are? There's about probably four people in this room that we could use as an example. <laughs> the rest of us enjoyed Christmas this year. Come on, somebody say amen. If you, if you want six-pack abs, you don't get them by working out a couple of times a week and having a half of a strawberry cake every Friday night. Amen? It takes consistency. And that's why a pastor does not have six-pack abs. Right? It's because I'm consistent, but my consistency is at Ryan's every Saturday morning, you know? And, uh, you know, me, me and Sergio now, we're real consistent about our diet. We don't change it no matter what's going on in the world. I mean, you know, we, we, we're going to get that pot and, and those orange rolls at the end. Of, you know, Ryan's almost lost my business last week when they didn't have orange rolls, you know. But, the, you know, without consistency, you know, you've probably seen some people say, you don't get a physique like this, you know, without some consistency of eating, right? You got to have the right diet for those things. We know that. You people who are in sales... You know, if you, if you don't have business cards on you all the time, you run into that moment that you run into somebody and say, oh, here's my opportunity and I missed it because I wasn't consistent about just having a business card. Small things, isn't it? But they're the important things. Don't miss a season because you need the opportunity to sow. Let's talk about sowing. You know what sowing is? Sowing is putting things in places so that those things, those seeds, those can reproduce. And when you put good things into places, good things come out. But when you put bad things in, bad, th- bad things come out. Like when you sow inconsistency into your children, they become inconsistent. When you tell, you know, you know what excuses do? Excuses. When you make excuses, your kids that live with you see right through that. Okay, mom and dad, listen to me. They see right through that. They know what's really going on. 
And when you pl- make those excuses, that they know what you're, what you're doing is you're sowing into them that this thing right here was important until I decided I wanted to do something else. And now I decide I'm going to do this, so I'm going to make an excuse. That's what excuses do. Every time you do something, you sow. And you know what you sow? You either sow good or you sow bad. And you don't just sow it into your own life, but you sow it into other people's lives, the people around you, the people who are watching you. Consistency and sowing. Consistency and sowing. And the third word is investment. Because that's kind of what sowing is. It's like making an investment. The Word of God says in the book of James that a lot of you don't have what you want because you hadn't asked yet. When you pray, when you invest in a prayer life, you open the possibility to receive a miracle. But the book of James in the Bible says, some of you ain't got anything yet from him because you haven't asked. Invest in the prayer life and begin to see. When you invest in the Word of God and and, and spending time in reading or listening to the Word of God at least, when you spend time in that, you know what you do? You begin to get wisdom. You begin to have direction. God can speak things through, through, through the word to you. He can share things. I, I mean, if, if, you don't have, if, you, if you don't know what to do next, you know, if you're like, Pastor, I don't know what, to, I don't know, I don't have any direction. Well, how, how often are you reading the word? If you will invest time into reading his word, then, then you, have, you will have the opportunity to reap uh, a harvest of, of hearing and direction of wisdom. And if you spend time investing in his, his family, you know, that's what he calls us. We're the family of God. We're the bride of Christ. We're the body. We're his church. You see, it, it, it's, it's really about the church. It's really about here. It's really about this. this is, uh, these, things kind of, these things kind of add up to. Because what happens is when we invest in prayer and we invest in reading, then when we come together on Sunday, we're bringing all of our harvest all week long of our prayer life and our study, and then, then these things happen. And, and, and throw my last, there it is. Involvement and investment brings God's glory on Sunday. And that's what happens is people then show up, and because some of you have been involved and some of you are investing in the Word of God and in, and in the prayer life and investing in the church and who the church is, because of that, other people get to show up for the glory but it doesn't go home with them. Are you hearing me? Just like that first temple of Solomon, it doesn't go home with them. But for those of you who are involved and are investing, you're bringing God's glory, not just into your Sundays, but you're bringing God's glory into your lives. Can I ask you to join me at the front, if you will? If you're a first-time attender, let me just share with you. We, we like to close with a final song and a final prayer at the front. I've got one last little thing I want to throw at you before we close. But I really would like to pray with you this morning also. Prayer team is getting in place. We, we, we preachers, we, you know, we like to really just pour on the emotion and the enthusiasm and everything, but, you know, at the end of the day, if that's all you get, it ain't enough. 
you know, here's what, you, here's what you've got to get. You have listened to the story Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. You've listened to it long enough. It's time for you to start living the story. It's time for you to start living the story. 2016, I want, 20, I want something different. Next, next Sunday, I want to really take you to some how, okay? I, please, I hope you'll be here next Sunday. But this is the beginning of it, is making the decision. I got to make the decision. I, I mean, the, the, the first step to losing weight, the first step to getting those six-pack abs is making the decision that when it gets tough, when it gets, when I get tired, or that I want to have, at the end, I mean, you know, this is the reason so many people have flabby spiritual lives, is we don't have the decision. We've not made the decision. I'm sticking with this. I'm going to make it happen. I'm all in. So here, here, here's, here's all, all that I, I, I feel God telling me to ask you to do today. Make the decision. And then just walk it out. We've got, we got 12 months ahead of us. Just walk it out with God and enjoy the ride. Enjoy the journey. But what is, right now, what is it that you need to be different in 2016? You know, here, here's what the prayer team wants to do. Right now, we want to agree with you in prayer. I want to agree with you in prayer. Can you fill in the blank? I want this to be amazing. Or this, this area in my life is where I need amazing in 2016. Can you fill in the blank of what that would be?